I just emailed Seth Godin and basically, you know, threw down the gauntlet. And then I was like, well, what have I got to lose? He's already said no twice. What if he says no a third time? Big deal, you know? Anyway, half an hour later, he said, he just said, yes, I'm in. Welcome to WP Tonning, episode 57. Just a quick reminder, episode 57 was made with YouTube and is on iTunes. But we also made a sister episode to this show, and that's episode 116 on Timelines of Success. You'll find that at timelinesofsuccess.com. If you go into iTunes, just type in Timelines and you'll find the um, podcast. So hey, we're having fun. And remember that you can find this show on YouTube by just pushing on the artwork if you have an iPhone and up will come a link. Press the link and you can watch it unedited on YouTube or go on over to WPTonic.com. Well, without further ado, let's get right into this episode with Troy Dean. So Jonathan, dig into him. Let's find out all his tricks about WordPress. Oh, it's great to have you on the show, Troy. You, you've been a great ambassador for the WordPress community. I always enjoy listening to your podcast. Um, I have a long walk in the morning. I'm trying to get fit for the past six months, and uh, I always listen to your podcast, Troy, and it's just a great oh. pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. You and the other 13 people that tune in, I'm, I'm very appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> So um, to start off with, obviously, you've got exciting news. You've probably been really busy. So that's one of the reasons we also appreciate you finding the time to come on the show. You've relaunched WP Elevation. Tell us more, Troy. What, why have you changed the format, the look of the website? And what, what exciting things are you planning to offer the people that are going to join it? So that's a true story. We did launch. We launched um, four hours and 16 minutes ago, actually, uh, which was six o'clock in the morning, my time. And so the main reason that we relaunched is because I was logging. So we've been going for just over two years now. I was logging into the members website to find resources and and find templates and because it's basically like a storage unit for my own consulting business, right? And I was logging in and I was just having a horrible experience in our in our own members website. I was like, you know what? This is just terrible. I can't find what I'm looking for. And that means that the other members aren't having a good experience either. I kind of flagged it with uh, with our team that we need to rebuild the members website and make it make the um, navigation better and just make it more uh, you know well organized so that people can access what they need when they need it. And then I started digging into some of our analytics. And what I realized is that the, our success stories, our real true ambassadors of the product are the people that have been through the entire training from start to finish. Where, where, we, where we lose people and I think where people don't benefit from the program is when they come in, they do you know three or four lessons and then they bail. So I said, okay, what if we now, instead of, instead of having an evergreen mode where you can just join whenever you want and it's kind of like a vending machine, you can just go in and take you know, whatever pieces you want, what if we do it like a structured course? So we put people through one, course, one you know, module per week and we actually kind of gently force them to go through the training in order because, I, you know, my feeling is that that will get them a better result, which in turn gets us a better result because we get better word of mouth and, and goodwill from the community. So that's the big change that we've made is we, um, 
you know, that structurally that's what we did. From a content point of view, we partnered with one of our members who's been around for a few months who actually lives here in Melbourne and sometimes works out of the same building. Uh, we got him into the office here for a month and, um, and he pulled apart our entire course and helped us rebuild it. He, he said, well, you know, that doesn't work and that doesn't work and that's baloney and that does work, but you need to fix that and you need to send some more emails here and you need to fix that template. And so he helped us rebuild the course from the ground up and uh, that's what we've launched today. Well, it sounds great. Um, I'll give you a quick bit of background about me. That um, I got initially um, into web design as a hobby, and then I joined online course run by um, a well-known web developer in the UK that does a lot of training called Ben Hunt. Have you? Yeah, heard I him? know Ben. Yeah, I know Ben very well. Um, yeah. he's, he's, he's a great guy, and that's how I learned the basics of web design and development. And it was a secondary business for me. And I got into it in the late 90s. And um, for about a two-year period, I made more money out of that than my main business. Um, It was very very lucrative web design. It's not so lucrative maybe now. But I think it's just changed a lot. Um, So what do you think some of the key things, if you, you know... Web uh, WordPress consultant is a big, broad umbrella, isn't it? It's a bit like WordPress developer. <clears throat> I, I don't even know what the term means anymore, WordPress mm. developer. Um, so some, it's in the eye of the beholder in some ways, isn't it? Um, mm. So what, what are some of the key things you've learned by the people that's gone through your course previously? What are some of the key things that, that somebody – trying to build a career in the industry needs to avoid and some of the things that they need to do for success? I know that's a very broad question, but I thought you sure. could probably answer it. <clears throat> sure, excuse me. Um, so just let me draw this distinction. Uh, in my mind, the way I see it is a, a WordPress developer is someone who spends time in code writing PHP and HTML and CSS to make WordPress do something that they've been told it needs to do. Um, and a WordPress developer might also code up a theme or build some custom functionality or even a plugin. A WordPress consultant, as far as I'm concerned, is someone who sits between the client and the technical team or the creative team. So a WordPress consultant is someone who says to the client, what, what business are you in? What are you trying to achieve? Why do you think you need a website? What problems are you trying to solve? What goals are you trying to kick? And then uh, knowing what's possible and what can be done with WordPress and why WordPress is a good solution, which we can talk more about, um, uh, then take that brief, distill it down into something that's actionable and put together a project plan and then brief a technical team, a, um, a uh, you know, developer, designer, and um, get the job done and then deliver it back to the client and make sure that, make sure that the client's getting what they've purchased. Now, I actually think that the most valuable seat in the whole WordPress ecosystem is that seat, the ability to communicate, facilitate the conversation between the client and the developer. And it's not that developers aren't great at talking with clients, although, and I come from a development background, so I think I'm allowed to say this, that not all developers are great at talking to clients. But what's more important than that is that most clients are terrible at communicating with developers. Jonathan, right. we just had that discussion on our, our blab. We were just blabbing about that concept. That's why I see the same thing. Yeah. All right, Bill. Almost, I mean, no, no, Jonathan, we had that discussion is that the client needs that bridge. 
You, how many clients have you seen be, you, you have have been taken advantage of? They don't control their domain. They lose their website. They spend ungodly amount of money on different folks and don't have anything. Mm. Well, it's a bit of I, both ways, isn't it? No, Jonathan, we talked about it. I was talking to, yeah. to Tony. Well, I, I think it goes both ways, doesn't it, Troy? You know, Troy's um, I've, I've been abused by some clients and I've, I've always tried to treat my clients fairly. Um, but I, I don't, one thing I put you, Troy, I think the, um, unless you're dealing with, um, you're, you're going up um, higher in the food chain a lot, do you feel that you know, smaller, medium clients, obviously they want to get the best value for their dollars as possible. You know, their main objective is to get squeeze as much value. Do you Jonathan, feel I just that- ask a question, okay? Yeah. I want Troy, because you and I talked about that. Yeah. No, the issue of, um, and, and Jonathan's right too, that uh, a client can develop, abuse a developer and a bad developer who doesn't know how to monetize can't stay in business. That's. I think you hit a really valuable entity as it evolves, as the complexities evolve. Well, go on then, Troy. I'll answer the question. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> what is question. what is the question exactly? The question was. <laughs> no, the question was. What do you see? Oh, yeah, this thanks. So we we went, went sideways. Sorry about that. But well, we were talking about the same thing. Yeah, what? So what do you see? What are your best? Sorry. What are the best points? Uh, with your, how do you evolve and protect both the client and the developer? And the question I see, the main question I just asked you at the end is, have you found the same thing that I found, that many clients don't control their domain name, they spend a lot of money on a lot of different developers, and they lose a lot, and they have nothing to show for it because they can't communicate between the developer. So that's the question. Have sure. you seen that same thing? Sure. Uh, y- y- yes, I have. And the thing is that, you know, I was talking to a, f- a colleague of mine yesterday who's in the SEO space, right? And you reckon web developers have got a bad name. Try being an SEO. I mean, you know, those guys are just pushing, you know, pushing it uphill from the minute they start a conversation with the client because the client basically treats SEO people like real estate agents or used car salesmen. And that's because the SEO industry have allowed themselves to go down that road and use all sort of black hat spammy techniques over the years. And now they have to dig themselves out of that hole. So here's a radical idea, right? If, if, if a client is trying to squeeze value and take advantage out of, uh, of, of a web developer and trying to squeeze value, and that's the whole conversation they're having. It's the web developer's fault for allowing that conversation to happen. So I was at a WordPress meetup recently, and the big, the big talk was, the big conversation was all about scope creep. You know, clients, everyone's whinging about clients and their scope creep, blah, 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 blah. And I said, if you're not happy, you know, if your clients are giving you grief with scope creep, it's your fault. It's not your client's fault. It's your fault because you haven't set their expectations from the start and you haven't clearly outlined the product that they're buying. So, so the, big, the, big prob- the big mistake that I see WordPress or any developer really, any freelancer really, the big problem that I see freelancers have is that they're so hungry for the work, they're so afraid of missing out on their next meal that they, the, you, you tend to you know, cannibalize your own integrity just to keep the customer happy. And you, you always think that rule number one, the customer's right, and rule number two, if in doubt, refer to rule number one. Well, my take on it is this. Rule number one, the customer is not right because the customer doesn't know what they're talking about. That's why they're hiring you as a consultant, right? <laughs> so rule number one is the customer actually wants you to be the expert. The customer already thinks that you are the expert. 
So rule number two is be the expert that the customer wants you to be. Control the process, control the conversation, have systems and processes in place. Just like when you walk into a doctor's surgery, you are in a system from the minute you walk in. You go to reception, you tell them your name, you sit down, you wait, the doctor's late, you spend 15 minutes, you pay the bill before you leave the building. That is not an accident. That is designed that way. And we as creative freelancers need to make sure our processes and our systems are watertight like that. And we need to put our clients through those processes because when you are in a process like that, you feel like you're in safe hands. You feel like this person knows what they're doing. I trust them. Where if you don't have systems and processes like that, you think, well, this person doesn't know what they're doing. So you just start owning the process and you start micromanaging and that's when scope creep happens and that's when your profitability goes out the window. Yeah, I think that, that was a, you know, fantastic, uh, Troy. But I also feel that's one of the reasons why they should join your course, isn't it? Because <laughs> on, re- uh, on reflection, um, keeping the control of the process and avoiding all the things you've just said uh, um, took me, a lo- you know, and I was in business in retailing f- and also been doing web design as a kind of hobby um, but running um, either a freelancer or a small agency is uh, is is difficult and it's a bit of a strange animal, you know, and joining a course like you're, the one you're running could save you a lot of alloc- a lot of mistakes learning the hard way you know if you can learn from other people's mistakes it's a much cheaper solution isn't it well, totally. I mean, that's what I mean. I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, yesterday who's a graphic designer and he's got his own agency now. He employs three or four staff. But he, this is a new thing for him. He's had his own business for maybe two or three years and we're actually walking to work together. And I said to him, I said, How did you learn? Like, obviously, you went and studied graphic design at, at, at university, college. How did you learn how to run a, a business as a creative agency? So, well, I spent 10 years working for agencies. And I saw how they did it and I saw all the mistakes they made and I learned in that 10-year on-the-job training with an agency. So that's one way you can do it. You can go work for an agency for 10 years uh, and learn how, how not to run an agency or, and learn how, you know, how to do it and learn all the mistakes and then go and set up your own agency. Um, the other way to do it, if you want to shorten your learning curve, is to do something like what we're offering or you know, um, Ben Hunt or, or those guys. You know, study and learn from people who have been there and done it. And that's why we offer our course because we've been there and done it. We've made all the mistakes and my hope is that I can save other people from making the same mistakes. So how long is the course? Uh, so it's a six-week course. Um, how, how many, uh, how many, I mean, there's about 55 lessons in the course. Um, I don't I'm not exactly sure how long it would take you to go through the course, but it's probably, you know, each lesson's probably, they're bite-sized chunks, sort of five to 10 minutes each, um, with some actionable downloads and some quizzes to make sure it kind of sinks in. Um, and, and the hope is that at the end of that six weeks, you've got some structure and systems and processes in the business so that the next time somebody pops their hand up and says, I'm interested in a website, you know exactly what to say and what not to say and what to do so that you can have that meaningful conversation right from the start uh, rather than just become a, a, a grease monkey for hire and, and have the client bark orders at you, which is which is where we, where we all start. I mean, that's where I started as well. And 
um, and you know, eight years ago, and and that's you know, I just think you've got to quickly get out of that mindset. Otherwise, you are just a technical um, dude for hire, and and the client hires you, and then just tells you. I remember one of the first websites I built. It's, uh, it doesn't exist anymore, thank God, because it's, it was just horrible. <laughs> But the client was actually, I built this website <clears throat> on WordPress and the client came back to me and she basically designed it in Microsoft Word. She drew a table in Microsoft Word and it had a purple background and green text, right? Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a website with green text on a purple background, but you can't well, read try, it. Well, Troy, that's how I do all my websites, Troy. Right, exactly. All right, all right. right? And, and the client said, but I'm paying you, this is what I want. I said, okay. And so I did it. Because I didn't know any different, right? The client was paying the bill. Whereas now I would gleefully tell that client to go and hire someone on Odesk to do their job because, you know, that's, that's where that client belongs. Go and find someone on Odesk to design your green text on your purple website. And when no one's converting, come back and see me and I'll fix it for you. So, but that's where we all start. And, and you can, if that's where you want to stay, great. If you want to, you know, stay as a freelancer and just have people, you know, order things off the menu and you just, you know, ch- charge your time for money, then that's fabulous. But if you've got any kind of other aspirations and you want to, you know, leverage your time for money and, or, you know, build something a bit more meaningful or make something a bit more profitable, then that's where I think you need to kind of grow up into that consulting seat. Yeah, you, you um, obviously can put me right, but you came, I think, um, listening to your podcast, you came from the music um, voice um industry and then you got into development and a lot of people in that background there seems to be a lot of people that have come from that background doesn't there Mm. we've got a lot of creatives in wp elevation we've got a lot of musicians actually there's enough there's we could put probably put together a mini jazz orchestra in uh, wp elevation (laughs) members alone so um there's lots of creative people and i think what happens is creative people uh love the uh, web because it's it's you know it's creative, but also there's there's an instant gratification with developing. This is what I learned. One of the one of the great things about being a songwriter is you can sit down in the afternoon and write a song, and you can literally go and play it that night at the pub and have people clap. Right? Well, that's that's about as instant gratification as you can get as an artist. But if you start cutting code and refreshing the browser. Well, you know, I mean, nothing beats that. That's like a microwave dinner. You know, you don't even have to wait two minutes. You know, you put in a curly brace and wow, look at the browser changes. I mean, that's just as instant gratification as you can get. And I think that's what appeals to a lot of creative people, that they can instantly see the fruits of their labor. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Just, uh, I'm going to get on to some of your guests because I think you've had some fantastic interviews recently. Um, you, you've been in top form, but just to finish this part of the interview. So lead general, I think a lot of freelancers or people that's trying to get a real business that might be part, it's lead generation. It's finding the right client, getting enough of the right clients so they can build a portfolio, they can move their business on. And initially it's always a struggle. Have you got any kind of, um, tips or insights that you could quickly give around getting the right clients, building that portfolio, moving your business on? Sure. Uh, Here's something that no one talks about except Seth Godin. He talks about it. He calls it the dip. Um, But here's something that no one really likes to talk about is um, taking the wrong client is actually going to hurt your business more than doing nothing. So when I started out, 
I, I very quickly realized that doing a website for 1200 bucks was not profitable in where I live on the planet and the kind of lifestyle that I have, which is not extravagant, by the way. But where I live on the planet, building a website for 1200 bucks is not sustainable, right? Australia is an extremely expensive country to live in. And if you spend, you know, any more than a week on a $1,200 website, you're not going to make any money. You're not going to survive. So <clears throat> I very quickly learned we have to go to the five grand mark very quickly. And then we went to the 10, 15, 20 grand mark. But I've, I've firmly said to my business partner, we're not doing anything under five grand anymore. That's it. Done. Right. Just say no to anything that comes in the door that's under five grand. He said, well, how are we going to pay the bills? I said, well, you're a designer. Go and do some freelance design work for your old design clients. Uh, I play music and I'm a voiceover artist, so I'll always eat. I'm not worried about that at all, man. I will always eat. I'll go and do voiceovers. I'll play gigs in pubs if I have to to earn a couple of hundred bucks. I'll always eat. But if we take these 1200 or $2,000 or $3,000 jobs on, it's actually going to put – it's like putting the handbrake on on the business, right? The only way we're going to get to the $5,000, $10,000 clients is to put our prices up now and be prepared to suck it up until we get those clients in the door. So I started making videos. I started making a series of videos called 60 Second Lesson, where I taught one thing about online marketing in 60 seconds. And I made 16 videos in one afternoon. And that was, and I put them out once a week. So that was four months worth of content in one afternoon. And we never had to worry about clients again after that. Those videos got shared around online. Uh, people sent them off to their friends. People emailed us and said, love the videos. I've referred you to someone else. And work came, and then more work came, and then more work came. You put them up on YouTube? Yeah, we put them on YouTube, and we put them on Vimeo. We put them on YouTube for sharing, and then we put them on Vimeo and used the Vimeo player on our website because it was a bit sexier than the YouTube yep. video. Yeah, it looks really good. I've seen some of your work. It's beautiful. And thank you. And, um, and in the meantime, I went and played gigs in pubs, and my business partner designed some annual reports for his old design clients. Right, And we sat around looking at each other, twiddling our thumbs some days going, what the hell are we doing? But we just knew that if we started work on a $2,000 website, the quality of work that we were wanting to produce, it was going to actually cost us so much time to produce that $2,000 website that we couldn't then go and position ourselves as the trusted source of credible information to the clients that we actually wanted to attract. Right, So, so, so what I'm saying is to get through the dip like Seth Godin said in, when I interviewed him recently, you can live on two-minute noodles for eight years while you're promoting your, your thing, which in his case was a book. You can find a way to pay the rent, yeah, because if you start at the bottom end of town, you're going to spend your whole life trying to walk uphill to the Paris end of town, right? Well, here's an idea. Why not just start at the Paris end of town and find a way to pay the bills until it pays off? And the reason that the reason I think that's a viable strategy is because it's, it's absolutely mind-numbingly terrifying and no one's prepared to do it. So it's a great opportunity because that end of the market is underserved. I'm not talking about enterprise clients. I'm talking about the medium-sized business, right, not mum-and-pup shops. Mum-and-pup shops are not going to sustain you. If you are wanting to build a, a profitable, successful business as a WordPress consultant, mum-and-pup shops are not going to sustain you unless you can figure out a way to churn them out like a factory, right? They're not going to they, – they're just not sustainable. The medium-sized business are completely underserved by consultants because nobody knows how to talk to them. Everyone's scared of them. Enterprise agencies don't want to know about them because they're not big enough, and freelancers don't want to know about them because they terrify them. Right, so, so that's, oh, that's that's really interesting. Um, I'll just, you've got a product. Um, you got the product and the design side, right? <laughs> the consulting and the design, and the product that you sell, the the teach. 
Jonathan, let me ask a quick question on the, go back on the product and I'll let you guys finish up on your product. How do you market that product? What are you trying to, um, see, I'm trying to work on a similar product, but that knowledge that people understand WordPress, my theory is once they understand WordPress, then they'll feel comfortable hiring the designers, the coders and all the different people they need to hire. So mm-hmm. what's, what's your product? How do you market that product and how does it compare? Where do you make more, where do you make more money on the digital side or over on the uh, development side? Uh, I'm not really sure. So, so I'm not sure. You got two products. Question. You've got your six, your course for six weeks. It teaches how to do yep. WordPress, right? How far do you take yep. them? Well, so we don't teach anything technical in that course. So we don't teach them. We don't teach how to use WordPress. We don't teach oh. how to code or how to design, right? We, we teach WordPress consultants how to run their business. Okay. So I got we you. teach WordPress consultants how to meet with clients, how to take a client brief, how to write proposals. We teach a little bit around development frameworks and, and development workflows, prototyping, wireframing, um, you know, design phase. But we don't teach, we don't teach HTML, got PHP, you, CSS, or actual WordPress code. There's plenty of people that do a really good job of that. So you monetize uh, that. You've got your design, comp- design side, and then you've got your speaking. Yep. Three ways to monetize. That's right. Yep. Uh, I so, think, yeah, uh, yeah. And Sorry, so I our clients... Go on, go on, Jonathan. Sorry, I just think it's great what you're offering because I actually think what you're offering is there isn't a lot of resources from a trust. You know, a, a, you know, I trust you, Dean, and you know you've got a very strong reputation. And I just don't think on that business side there is a lot of trusted resources, is there? Mm. So I think you offer a great thing. I just want to quickly move on because we've got about eight, ten minutes. I just want to move on sure. um, to the, your recent interviews because, like, um, I think you've been on fire, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it takes a bit of luck, but you've had some excellent. Um, and um, oh, my mind's gone, you know, the um, the dip. Um, the, um, Seth Godin, yep. You know, sometimes when you get a really top um, guest like that, it doesn't always work out to be a great interview, does it? But that actually mm. was. And I think, mm. well, did you choose the format? Because it was quite an unusual format. Mm. Did, you, did you choose that format? Because yeah. it really worked, didn't it? Yeah, I did. And it's, that's something, that's kind of a format that I'm going to be doing more of in the future. A couple of reasons. I mean, you know, first of all, I'm kind of fatigued I'm fatigued just interviewing people, you know, because I've been doing it for so long and I've heard so many interview format podcasts that I'm kind of, I'm starting to kind of get a little bit bored asking people the same questions. Now, here's the thing. The reason that, the reason that our format's been so consistent over the last <laughs> 95 episodes is because the, for, for me, the only way to smash out a great podcast every week is to have it systemized and have a process, right? So I have pretty much the same questions I ask every guest every week. And we go off on tangents, but I always stick to basically the same script. And I'm kind of bored with that script now. So I want to do something a little more interesting. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it, right? Because I, I don't want to do it half-assed. I actually want to give it my all for, for the audience. Otherwise, there's no point. The other reason that I did that with Seth is because I had heard along the grapevine that Seth Godin, and I, this might be completely wrong, but I'd heard along the grapevine that he doesn't like podcasters building their profile using other talent, right? So Ter- terrible, heard, oh, shocking, yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, so I he would never do on, that, would he? He no, would never, never do that, would he? <laughs> I, I heard him on um, The Growth Show by HubSpot 
and uh, which is a great podcast. And I emailed him, and I've emailed him a couple of times over the years. So I kind of figured that he, you know, probably knew who I was. And I emailed him and said, "Look, you know, um, thank you for everything you do because you know you just continue to inspire us all." And um, Yes, I heard you on the Growth Show podcast and it was fantastic. Yes, I have my own podcast. Yes, I just recently interviewed Guy Kawasaki. And yes, I'm dropping names to impress you. No, I don't want to interview you on my podcast. I want to challenge you to come on my podcast and help one of our mastermind members with some very specific issues that she's having in her business. And half an hour later, and and I said, are you in? Question mark. And I sent that email and I thought, that was a bit confident. You know, that was a bit cocky. I just emailed Seth Godin and basically, you know, threw down the gauntlet. And then I was like, well, what have I got to lose? He's already said no twice. What if he says no a third time? Big deal. You know? Anyway, half an hour later, he said, he just said, yes, I'm in. As long as it's not like a Shark Tank kind of competition thing, then uh, I'm in. And yeah. I said, great. And then, and then it happened. So, um, you know, I think the thing, about, the thing about reaching out to influencers is that you can't do it cookie cutter style. You have to really do your research and you have to know what makes that person tick. Um, and in terms of the format, I, the other reason I wanted to do it is because I've listened to so many podcasts over the years where I've had moments and I've thought, I reckon that person's um, embellishing or exaggerating what they're talking about. I don't reckon that person knows as much about this particular topic as they're pretending. And I think they're just on a podcast and they're kind of, you know, puffing their own chest up. And if I'm going to get people on a podcast in the future, I'm not interested in how much you know. I'm interested in actually rolling our sleeves up and doing some work together. Yeah. You know, so if, if that's of interest, then great. I'm happy to have those conversations. But if it's just a pissing contest, then I'm kind of done with that. You know, like I've been yeah. listening to podcasts for too long and, I, and and it's been very inspiring for me and it's really helped me on my journey. But I've evolved and I've kind of moved on from that. So, yeah. Um, obviously, there's two things. Um, the the other guest that I thought lately that was quite amazing, and but I think she's a great lady is Rebecca. The interview with Rebecca Gills, and you know, it, not only is she technically a very smart lady, a great business owner, and a part of the mm. WordPress community, but she she was very very honest with you, and mm. you dealt with some. I thought it was one of your best interviews, actually, personally. It affected me quite deeply, and it would be great to get her back on the show at some time. Mm. Um, so what was your feeling as the interview was going? Because I think you covered some quite powerful issues in that interview. And Well, it, what was, it your- was all pretty... I mean, yeah, and I think we're chatting off camera. It was all pretty organic, really. I mean, Rebecca, you know, dropped a couple of um, bombs on me that I wasn't aware of. I mean, the fact that she was a ward of the state and, and you know, went and worked at Macca's and got her training at, you know, at, at McDonald's and then kind of ended up, you know, where she is now. And it was it's a really interesting journey. And I wasn't aware of that. Um, I've met Rebecca at WordCamp Chicago, but I wasn't aware of the the, the kind of detail of her history. Um, so when she said that, my mind straight away went to, well, hang on a second. M- my job is to represent the audience in on, on the podcast. So if I'd just heard that on a podcast, I would want to know more. As the listener, I would want to know more about that, and I would want to know how that has affected her trajectory and her journey. So that's why I asked her those questions and dug a little bit deeper. But I don't think you can – I don't think you can kind of ha- have that conversation and then not and then not scratch the surface. You know, like you can't just scratch the surface. I, I don't think you can do that without going deep. Otherwise, it's just a bit weird. So, um, but the other thing is that um, 
um, it, 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 as I said, I do have kind of a, 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 a script, or well, I have had a script for that format of the podcast, but when people, you, you have to just be paying attention and you have to be listening. And when people say things, you need to be prepared to, you know, just put yourself aside, put your own, like I don't care how I look or how I sound on the podcast because it's not about me. It's about the listener connecting with the guest. I'm just a conduit for the conversation. That's my job, you know. Yeah, it was great, I think. Um, just two questions to finish off. Um, sure. Of all, of all the guests um, that you interviewed, is there um, any like one that comes to mind that was the most either enjoyable, most surprising? Is there anyone that really kind of still sticks in your mind of all the interviews you've done? That's a, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm not sure I can answer that question. <laughs> I love them all. Um, yeah, it is difficult. Yeah, it? it is. It's very difficult. I mean, that I, I've learned, I, the thing about, the, the good thing about podcasting is I have learned so much. Um, you know, Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute was extremely generous uh, right. when I when he was on the podcast I mean you know he he um uh, I, I he, he invited me up to the their content marketing world conference which was a couple of weeks after the podcast on a media pass so I went up there and got to go to that conference as a podcaster and interviewed a whole bunch of people up there and have made a, a, some amazing connections it's been great for my own personal network running a, a, a podcast um Timbo Reed from Small Business Big Marketing. He's a fellow Melburnian. You know, David Jennings is another another Melburnian here. Um, I, I love the locals, you know. But, um, you know, and we shot an episode live. We actually shot an episode in front of a live audience once with uh, Elliot Condon from Advanced Custom Fields. That was a real highlight as well. So it's yeah, been, I mean. Well, I, I remember that interview. It was pretty yeah, good, it's, wasn't it? It's been great. I've absolutely loved it. And I will continue to podcast in the future. I'm just not sure what the WP Elevation podcast looks like. Uh, three months from now because it will be yeah. a different form. Yeah. I just want to tell you, obviously, one of our first guests who agreed was Matt from the Matt Report. And yeah. I always will owe Matt uh, a favour because we had a pretty rough website and we were new, you know, I was pretty new to it and he just agreed to come on. And Kim Dole encouraged me into podcasting and she could be a bit of a spitfire when she wants to, but she has got a heart of gold um, um, but she can be a handful, but she knows what she wants and she knows <laughs> well, where to get it. Um, you're in, you're in, you're in good hands with Matt Medeiros and Kim Doyle. I've had both yeah. of them on the podcast and they're, they're great. They're great people. But my favorite guest and he, he's become a friend and he is an amazing person. And I don't know if he's been on your show. If he hasn't, I would highly recommend him. He's is Malton Hendrickson from linda.com. Um, right. Um, we've had um, we had him on, and um, we did a three hour interview. We had to break it up into wow. two bits, and he wow. was on our and he was on our fiftieth show for two hours. And it's just a, he's um, he's just a fantastic guy, and he's so knowledgeable about coding and WordPress, and he's just a fantastic human being and so knowledgeable. Um, so. I love all my guests, but I would say he's the one that really sticks. Um, cool. I'll have to know, reach out and connect with him for sure. Oh, he's just an amazing interviewer. Um, and he, he's, he's a bit like Rebecca. He, he, you'll get honesty from him. He'll mm. give you what he really believes and he'll just tell you what he thinks. 
in a, a very coherent, logical way. And, re, and I think that's what you got from Rebecca. Mm. So um, I'm just going to think, you know, what, what, what question have I missed out in this interview, Troy? What was the question that you would like me to ask you? <sighs> as, as the great podcast uh, yourself, what did I miss out on, yeah. Troy? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm always curious as to why people do what they do. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always curious. A, a, a human behaviour and human motivation has been something that's fascinated me ever since I can remember, really. Um, not that I want you to ask me why I do what I do, but if there's any question that I really – I'm always trying to uncover why people do what they oh, do. Oh, Troy, I think we've just finished on a high point because I think this is the key factor that took me a long time to learn. It's basically when you're talking initially with a client, you really, really – you should keep your bloody mouth shut and you need mm. to open your ears and you mm. really, really need to understand why they want a website, why they're mm. hiring you, what mm. is the thing or things mm. that they mm. really want mm. from this process. Because if you don't give them – you know, you don't understand the client and where they're coming from, and they're all a bit different, aren't they? I think mm -hmm. you're going to get into some deep trouble, and I have mm. with some of them. So would you mm. agree with that, actually, and, you know – one of the key, and maybe a lot of developers don't learn this, is you've got to really understand the client. I was, talking to, I was talking to a client recently and um, after, you know, after much conversation, I discovered that the reason that they wanted a new website is because they wanted to generate a certain amount of new business. They had a bricks and mortar shop, an actual real physical shop that customers walk into. And they knew what an average customer was worth to them and they knew what they were spending on AdWords a month and they knew that it wasn't paying off. And they said, they basically said, you know, we could turn the AdWords off and save that money for a few months and go back to Europe. Jonathan, real fast, listen to episode 57. If they're gonna, We're going to have a special. There's going to be a blab. Hopefully it comes out and we put it up behind 57 into 58 so folks can discover blab. I think, as Jonathan knows, I think this is going to be a game changer. Blab. So, thank you. You're really good. Really good, Troy. Nothing good. Take care. See you later.